Welcome to Beyond. Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan. This is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About the Wastelands. It's the third novel in the Stephen King Dark Tower series, technically called Book Two, but it's Chapter Four, and we're in Part Two of Town and Catet. Amanda's looking up the date because we yeah. didn't prepare that at yeah. all. <laughs> it is the eighth. Take your word on it's the eighth. Monday of the eighth. April. Yes. Oh, April. We think. I'm we hope. Somewhat. Hope you enjoyed last week's Charlie the Choo Choo. Yay! We enjoyed doing it, so that was fun. We know at least one person who watched it. <laughs> Just one. The for one sure. person who gave us the idea. Yeah. Well, he inspired us. Someone's got to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not very inspirational people. And then we try sometimes. Every once in a while. We tried for how many weeks? <laughs> All right. The last little note we had before ending the last chapter was, Before Roland could reply, Jake spoke up in a clear, firm voice. Tell what you know about Blaine the Mono, he said. Tell about Blaine and Engineer Bob. Dun, dun, dun. And we peek up immediately after that with, Engineer who? Eddie asked. But Jake only went on looking at the old people. Track lies over yonder, Cy answered at last. He pointed towards the river. So, Blaine the Mono. Or, also, Blaine the Monorail. Yes, Blaine the Monorail, which Susie, Susanna was... She recognized what people were talking about. She's like, a monorail! Monorail. Blaine is a pain, Jake muttered. Roland glanced at him, but said nothing. So once again, you just get these ideas that Roland's starting to pick up on things. Like, he's he's noticing that Jake... He's been noticing that Jake's been wanting to talk about things and is still hiding stuff. And he's like, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. But it's not always, the time and the place. Always knows more than he leads oh, on. Yeah. And of course, Eddie wants to know immediately, does this train run now? Because Eddie's all about learning about ways to get out and ways to go further, faster, and... <laughs> well, that's not a bad idea. Sai shook his head slowly. His face was troubled and uneasy. No, young sir, but in my lifetime in aunties, it did. When we were green and the war of the city still went forad briskly. We'd hear it before we saw it, a low humming noise, a sound like... Ye sometimes hear when a bad summer storm's on the way. One that's full of lightning. Green. Green. Final term. Yes. Obviously, I've heard it before. And then I, I've heard it in The Maze Runner. Greenies. No. New people. I've heard it in a lot of things. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a well-known term. The thing that jumps immediately to me was uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh-huh. No. So... All right, playing the monorail. See it. Ah, it was getting to that. So I answered to touch another fifth after it passes. Yep, 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 yep. Tell him about the banks, I Bill and Till said in a voice which troubled with awe. Tell him about the godless bing that always came after. Aye, I was getting to that, Sai answered. With a touch of annoyance, after it passed by, there would be a 
quite a few seconds, sometimes as long as a minute, maybe. And then there'd come an explosion that rattled the boards and knocked cups off the shelves, and sometimes even broke the glass in the window panes. But never did anyone ever see a flash or fire. It was like an explosion in the world of spirits. Eddie tapped Susanna on the shoulder, and when she turned to him, he mouthed two words. Sonic Boom. Now that's a fast train. Yes. It was nuts. No train he had ever heard of traveled faster than the speed of sound. But it was also the only thing that made sense. Yeah, the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. The trains that Eddie left, no, no, they could never run that fast. No. But we know some trains now that can run pretty... Not, I don't think, the speed of sound. No. We only have jets to get up <laughs> that. But I can imagine, this is, I don't know how far into the future... Yeah. I, I'm sure we got there. Yeah. Okay, I can be sure that that'll happen. It's even the Altoid. Now my mouth is all blah, 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 blah. Now I need the water. Okay. Yeah, well, good. So, and then the, and this train went into the city, Roland said, from back the way we came, from the west, from the forest. I, a new voice said unexpectedly... But there was another, one that went out from the city. And mayhap, that one still runs. Mayhap. And it was good old Mercy. What was it? Good old Mercy? They turned Mercy's... Uh, Mercy stood by the bed of flowers between the back of the church and the table where they sat. She was walking slowly towards the sound of the voices, their hands spread out before her. Auntie told you to take your coffee inside, he said. Finished my coffee long ago, Mercy said. <laughs> it's bitter brew and I hate it. Uh, I wanted to hear his voice. It's fair and light, so it is. I cry your pardon, Auntie, Sai said, looking at the ancient woman and a little fearful, fearfully. She was never one to mind and years have made her no better. I hear what I hear. My ears are sharp. Oh, this here. Yeah. <laughs> My ears are sharp. My ears are sharp, and they, as, as they ever were, uh, Tilitha, sharper. Roland's hand dropped to the belt for a moment. Then he brought it back to the table and was holding a cartridge in his fingers. He tossed it to Susanna, who caught it. Uh, do you sigh? He asked. Well enough, he said, turning direction. You know, you know what I just threw? To, okay, you read it. I, I'm down. I'm down. I'm butchering this. I was like, whoa, what I'm, is I'm going butchering. on? Okay. Help me out here. He tossed it to Susanna, who caught it. Do you, sigh? he asked. Well enough, she said, turning in his direction, to know that you just threw something. To your woman, I think? The one with the brown skin. Something small. What was it, gunslinger? A biscuit? Close enough, he said, smiling. You hear as well as you say. Now tell us what you meant. There is another mono, she said, unless tis the same one, running in a different course. Either way, a different course was run by some mono, until seven or eight year ago, anyways. I used to hear it leaving the city and going out into the wastelands beyond. Dung heap, one of the albino twins ejaculated. Nothing goes to the wastelands, nothing can live there. She turned her face to him. Is a train alive, Till Tedbury? She asked. Does a machine fall sick with sores and puking? 
Well, Eddie thought of saying, there was this bear. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> we would have heard it, the other twin had insisted hotly. A noise like that one sigh always tells of. This one didn't make no bang, she admitted. But I heard that sound, that humming noise, like the one you hear sometimes after lightning has struck somewhere close. When the wind was strong, blowing out from the city, I heard it. She thrust out her chin and added, I did hear the bang once, too. Far, I mean, from far, far out, the night the big Charlie wind came and almost blew the steeple off the church. Must have been 200 wheels from here? Maybe 250. Bullocks! The twin cried. You've been chewing the weed! I'll chew on you, Bill. If you don't shut up with your honking, you've no business saying bollocks to a lady either. Stop it, Mercy. Sigh hissed. But, ah! So there is one. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie really thought about it, though. Oh, we really contemplated. Yeah. He's, he, you think about it, it's like, okay, you have a train that's leaving the city, and it's going so fast, it's breaking the sound barrier. But if one is kind of, well, okay. How did you put it? I think that one was either coming from the city, or this is so far from the city. It's coming it towards said, them. Uh, I think it was coming from the woods, not coming to the city, not from the city. The first one. Yeah. Of course, there would be no sonic boom, not from a train which started its run in Lud. Okay, so yeah. the other one is coming from somewhere else to, to the Lud, city. And this one just started, and Lud's already that direction anyway. Yeah. So there's no way they hear sonic boom. And it wouldn't get up nowhere near quick enough, soon enough, for them to hear said yeah. sonic boom. see where we want to go to next. When it says, I believe you, Sai, but are you sure you haven't heard the sounds of the motto since then? Nay, not since then. I imagine it's finally reached the end of its path. I wonder, Roland said. Indeed, I wonder very much. He looked down at the table, brooding, suddenly far away from all of them. Choo-choo, Jake thought, and shivered. Well, half an hour later, they were in the town square again. Suzanne in her wheelchair, Jake adjusting the straps of his pack. Always sat on his heel, watching him attentively. Only the town elder had attended the dinner party in the little eaten behind the church of the blood everlasting. That's interesting. And... This is Susanna, so... Let's pass Where should we go? He's a living remnant of the past they only know from stories, Susanna thought. They look at him the way religious people would look at one of the saints, Peter or Paul or Matthew, if he decided to drop by the Saturday night bean supper and tell them stories of how it was, trapezing around the Sea of Gal- oh God. Galilee with Jesus the carpenter. And pretty much the same thing happened as when the meal happened. Everybody gets in line, they start shaking hands, and then they bow in front of Roland. To which, it, of course, Mercy wanted a hug. Of course. And then she asks, do you think you'll come back? And Roland says, if we can, and Eddie knows no. <laughs> no there's not a good chance that's coming back through here, unfortunately. But then Aunt, Aunt Talitha comes and 
She begins to kneel, but Roland caught her by the shoulders. No, sigh, you shall not do. And before Eddie's amazed eyes, Roland knelt before her in the dust of the town square. Will you bless me, old mother? Will you bless all of us as we go our course? Aye, she said. There was no surprise in her voice, no tears in her eyes, but her voice throbbed with deep feeling all the same. I see your heart is true, gunslinger, and that you hold the old ways of your kind. Aye, you hold them to, to them very well. I bless you and yours, and will pray that no harm will come to you. Now take this, if you will. She reached into the bodice of her faded dress and removed a silver cross at the end of a fine link silver chain. She took it off. Dun, dun, dun. We have a picture. That's we do have a picture. Like five chapters back. Yes, it's way further back than it should be. Now all the people standing around and her giving Roland the cross. And lots of animals. It's a dead skulls <laughs> on the ground, sure. Now it was Roland's turn to be surprised. Are you sure? I did not come here to take what belongs to you and yours, old mother. I'm sure as sure can be. I've worn this day and night for over a hundred years, gunslinger. Now you should wear it and lay it at the foot of the dark tower and speak the name of Tilitha Unwin at the far end of the earth. She slipped the chain over his head. The cross dropped into the open neck of his deerskin shirt as if it belonged there. Go now. We have broken bread. We have held palaver. We have your blessing and you have ours. Go your course in safety. Stand and be true. Her voice trembled and broke on the last word. Aww. Oh. They walked down what remained of the town's high street. Jake pushing Susanna's wheelchair as they passed the last building. He looked back. The old people were still gathered about the stone marker, a forlorn cu cluster of humanity in the middle of this wide, empty plain. Jake raised his hand. Up to this point, he had managed to hold himself in, but when several of the old folks, Cy, Bill, and Till among them, raised their own hands in return, Jake burst into tears himself. Eddie put an arm around his shoulders. Just keep walking, sport, he said in an uneasy voice. That's the only way to do it. They're so old, Jake sobbed. How can we just leave them like this? It's not right. It's cough. <laughs> it's always cough. Well, what else do you say at this point? Eddie said without thinking. Is it? Well, caw sucks. Yeah, hard, Eddie agreed. But he kept walking. So did Jake. And he didn't look back again. He was afraid they would still be there, standing in the center of the forgotten town, watching until Roland and his friends were out of view. And he went, would have, he would have been right. You and me okay? No, I, I don't <laughs> think so, actually. So, once again, they're a little less than seven, seven miles away. And they've decided to kind of settle down and gather some firewood. And So Jake and Eddie are off doing this by themselves. Let's see. I just don't see why we didn't stay, Jake said. The blind lady invited us, and we didn't get even we didn't get very far anyway. I'm still so full I'm practically waddling. Eddie smiled. Me too. And I can tell you something else. Your good friend Edward Cantor Dean is looking forward to a long and luxury squat in the grove. There we go. You wouldn't believe how 
tired I am of eating deer meat and crappy rabbit turds. A uh, crapping rabbit turds. If you're... If you told me a year ago that a good dump would be the high point of my day, I would have laughed in your face. Is your name really, your middle name really Cantor? Cantor? What a weird name. Cantor. Cantor? Cantor. Cantor. The accent, the tor, very strongly. I don't know why, but you do it anyway. Yes, but I appreciate if you didn't spread it around. I won't. Why didn't we stay, Eddie? Eddie sighed. Because we would have found out they needed firewood. Huh? And after we got the firewood, we'd have found that they also needed fresh meat. Because they served us the last that they had had, and we'd be real creeps not to replace it. What we ate, right? Especially when we're packing guns, and the best they can probably do is a bunch of bows and arrows. 50 or 100 years old. Arrows. 50 or 100 years old. So we would have gone hunting for them. Uh, By then, it would be night again, and we'd have to... uh, get up the next day and then we would get up the next day Susanna would be saying we ought to at least make a few repairs before we move on oh not to the front of the town that'd be dangerous but maybe in the hotel or whatever is it is they live in only a few days and that would be a few days right Roland materialized out of the gloom he moved as quietly as ever but looked tired and preoccupied I thought maybe you two fell into a quick pit which I'm assuming is quicksand, um, he said. Nope. I've just been telling Jake the facts as I see them. Which probably is true. Yeah. So what would have been wrong with that, Jake asked? This dark tower thingy has been wherever it is for a long time, right? It's not going anywhere, is it? And then Eddie proceeds to say, well, you know, a few more days go by, and then a few more, and then, oh, we figure out we need to do this for them, and maybe we can help them this way. And then it's weeks, and it's like... They're old and have no more foot. He glanced at Roland and his voice was tinged with reproach. I tell you what, when I think of Bill and Till, they're stocking a herd of wild buffalo. I get the shivers. They've been doing it a long time, Roland said, and I imagine they could show us a thing or two. They'll manage. Meantime, let's get the wood. It's going to be a chilly night. But Jake wasn't done with it yet. He was looking closely, almost sternly at Eddie. You're saying we could never do enough of them. Do enough for them, aren't you? Eddie stuck out his lower lip and blew hair off his forehead. Not exactly. I'm saying it would never be any easier to leave than it was today. Harder, maybe, but no easier. It still doesn't seem right. Uh, may not be right. Right is what all this is about, Roland said. But if you look too long at the small rights, Jake, the ones that lie close at hand... It's easy to lose sight of the big ones that stand farther off. Things are out of joint, going wrong, and getting worse. We see it all around us, but the answers are still ahead. While we were helping the 20 or 30 people left in River Crossing, 20 or 30,000 more might be suffering or dying somewhere else. And if there's any place in the universe where these things can be set right, it's at the Dark Tower. Why? How? Jake asked. What is the tower anyway? Roland squatted beside the fire Susanna had built, produced his small flint and steel, and began to flash sparks into the kindling. Soon, small flames were growing amid the twigs and dried handfuls of grass. I can't answer those questions, he said. I wish I could. That, Eddie thought, was an exceedingly clever reply. Mm -hmm. Roland had said, I can't answer, but that wasn't the same thing as I don't know. Far from it.
Mm-hmm, Pushing that point a little. I don't, I don't feel like answering that right now necessarily. Can we can we just save that till later? Because uh, you you know Roland, we'd all like to would have loved to have known in this book. Oh yeah. Well, what is the Dark Tower, Roland? Other than what you consider holding the entire fabric of time together in some manner. <laughs> well, what exactly is the Dark Tower? Is it an actual place? Is it some little drawing? What are we doing here? It's a black hole. That's what it's it black is. It's a black hole. So now we move on to... Oi! So pretty much we open up. They're kind of eating dinner. And Jake is starting to scold Oi about not talking when mm-hmm. he asked him to. You made me look like an idiot. Idiot. Oi said, and put his muzzle on Jake's an- ankle. I just find that funny. Oi's the only one talk when he wants to. He's talking better all the time, Rola remarked. He's even starting to sound like you, Jake. Ache, Oi agreed. Not lifting his muddle, Jake was fascinated by the gold rings in Oi's eyes and the flickering light of the fire. They seemed to revolve slowly. But he wouldn't talk to the old people. Bulmers are choosy about this sort of thing, that sort of thing, Roland said. They're odd creatures. If I had to guess, I'd say he was one driven away by his own pack. Why do you think so? Roland pointed to Oi's flank. They had cleaned off the blood. Oi hadn't enjoyed this very much, but stood for it. And the bite was healing, although the bumbler still limped a little. I'd bet an eagle for the bite of another bumbler. It's a good, interesting thing to gamble with, an eagle. Do you have an eagle, Roland? Are you, are you... He had a hawk. He did have a hawk at one point, but you have an eagle. Can you get an eagle very easily? You'd think that, you know, would make the bet harder? Like, because then you'd have to get the eagle before you could actually bet an eagle. Maybe they got tired of his chatter, Eddie said. Maybe they did, Roland said, especially if he was the only one of them who was still trying to talk. The others might have decided he was too bright or too uppity for their taste. Animals don't know as much about jealousy as people, but they're not ignorant of it either. How bright are they? The old groom I told you about, the one who said a good bumbler is good luck, swore he had one in his youth that could add. He said it told sums either by scratching on the table floor or pushing stones together with its muzzle. He grinned. It lit his whole face, chasing away the gloomy shadows which had lain there ever since they left River Crossing. Of course, grooms and fishermen are born to lie. And then the drums. Then the drums. Boom, ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. They listened without speaking. That's a rock and roll backbeat, Eddie said suddenly. <laughs> I know it is. Take away the guitar, and that's what you've got left, in fact. It sounds quite a lot like ZZ Top. ZZ who? Suzanne asked. Eddie grinned. They didn't exist in your win, he said. I mean, they probably did. But in 63, they would have been just a bunch of kids going to school down in Texas, he listened. I'll, I'll be if that doesn't sound just like the backbeat to something like Sharp Dressed Man or Velcro Fly. Velcro Fly, Jake said. That's a stupid name for a song. Pretty funny, though, Eddie said. You missed it by ten years or so, sport. Velcro fly. I haven't heard that song in forever. 
You know, I would probably recognize it, but immediately I don't even know which one it is. Of course, sharp dressed man is like, woo, but fro fro flies. But, of course, Eddie can't sleep. Don't you think it's the time we exchange stories, Roland? We might find out we know more than we think. Yes, it's almost time for that, but not in the dark. Roland rolled onto his side, pulled up a blanket, and appeared to go to sleep. <sighs> Eddie said, just like that. He blew a disgusted little whistle between his teeth. He's right, Susanna said. Come on, Eddie, go to sleep. He grinned and kissed the tip of her nose. Yes, Mommy. <laughs> playing the model train fast travel across. Sorry, it was, uh... Jake found his own sleeplessness had stolen away, however. Maybe it was the pubes boogieing madly to a song called Velcro Fly while they worked themselves into a sacrificial killing frenzy. I mean, okay. sure. Why not? Of course, you got to thinking how Engineer Bob was just already. <laughs> because good old Charlie was just prepped and ready when that <laughs> Zephyr went down. He wondered again if Engineer Bob had sabotaged the Burlington Zephyr in order to give his beloved Charlie a second chance. You know, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. I'm convinced of it. I'm with, with uh, Jacob on this one. Well, I mean, how did he know how right automatically, oh, there's water. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, uh, oh, the drum stopped and Jake drifted off to sleep. He <laughs> dreamed, not of the plaster man. He dreamed instead of standing on a stretch of blacktop highway, somewhere in the big empty of western Missouri. Oi was with him, railroad warning signals, white X shaped with red lights on their centers flanking the road. The lights were flashing and... Bells were ringing. Now a humming noise began to rise in the southeast, getting steadily louder. It sounded like lightning in a bottle. Here it comes, he told Oi. Ums, Oi agreed. And suddenly a vast pink shape, two wheels long and slicing across the plain towards them. It was low and bullet-shaped, and when Jake saw it, a terrible fear filled his heart. The two big windows flashing in the sun on the front of the train looked like eyes. Don't ask me silly questions, Jake told Oi. I won't play silly games. It's just an awful choo-choo train, and his name is Blaine the Pain. Ah! To which it goes straight to an even worse nightmare, where Oi jumps in the tracks in front of the train, and the noise is so loud it's like shattering... Jake's teeth and making his nose bleed to which he jumps into the tracks with Oi and then he wakes up. Because that's a wonderful dream to have. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful, wonderful. The night seemed to be pressing down upon him like a physical weight. He rolled over and felt frantically for Oi. For a terrible moment he thought the bumbler was gone and then his fingers fell on the silky fur. Oi uttered a squeak and looked at him with sleepy curiosity. That's all right, Jake whispered in a dry voice. There's no train. It was just a dream. Go back to sleep, boy. Oi, the bumbler agreed and closed his eyes again. Jake rolled over on his back and lay looking up at the stars. Blaine is more than a pain, he thought. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Yes, perhaps. No perhaps about it, his mind insisted frantically. All right, Blaine was a pain. Given. 
but his final essay had had something else to say on the subject of Blaine, hadn't it? Blaine is the truth. Blaine is the truth. Blaine is the truth. Oh, jeez, what a mess, Jake whispered. He closed his eyes and was asleep again in seconds. This time, his sleep was dreamless. There we go. Mm. Around noon the next day, they reached the top of another drumlin and saw the bridge for the first time. Holy Jesus, Eddie said softly. Does that look familiar to you, Suze? Yes. Jake? Yes, it looks like the George Washington Bridge. It sure does, Eddie agreed. But what's GWB doing in Missouri? Jake asked. Eddie looked at him. Say what, sport? Jake looked confused. Mid-war, I mean, you know. George Washington Bridge. And of course, Missouri. Jake's Jake's like we're in Missouri. We're, well, he's he's, he's Missouri. kind of stuck on Missouri. Where is the George Washington Bridge? I don't remember. If it looks familiar to them, wouldn't it be towards New York? Or they just know it because it's a familiar bridge? I don't know. For some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, I always thought it was like not the George Washington Bridge, but I thought the bridge that they ended up seeing and crossing was the San Francisco Bridge, like the Golden Gate Bridge. But apparently I was wrong, because yeah, I mean, the George I mean, Washington they, Bridge. They clearly but, stated something very different here. But it's like, from I guess from the description and everything, the first time I read it, and now that it's been so long, I always thought it was the mm. San Francisco Bridge, but no. But no, I would assume it... It's the George Washington Bridge, so I assume it would. I would fail this trivia thing. I would I'm too. Just... I'm only saying that because they are all from New York, so yeah. therefore, if it was familiar to all of them, it naturally seems like it's a New York thing. But what, what do I know? We're being on Jeopardy or anything. Just <laughs> let you guys know. We would fail horribly. How do you know this is Midworld? You weren't with us when we came to that marker. <laughs> Jake stuffed his hands in his pockets and looked down at his moccasins. Dreamed it, he said briefly. You don't think I booked this trip with my dad's travel agent, do you? I do. Roland touched Eddie's shoulder. Let it alone for now. Eddie glanced briefly at Roland and nodded. Let it be for now. <laughs> Just for now. So they're looking at the bridge and they're realizing it. it. It looks like a bridge, but there's gaps where there should be road. And that's never a good sign. <laughs> no, it was not in great condition. It's not in the worst condition. It's but, not in great condition. But it's enough to give Eddie hope of again. <laughs> well, maybe, Eddie said, reluctantly. But it doesn't really look that bad to me. <sighs> Roll inside. Don't hope for too much, Eddie. What's that supposed to mean, Eddie? Heard the touchiness in his voice, but it was too late to do anything about it now. It means that I want you to believe your eyes, Eddie. That's all there. That's That's all. There was a saying when I grew, when I was growing up, only a fool believes in his dreaming. Oh, sweet baby Jesus, Stephen, you cannot read with a darn. Only a fool believes he's dreaming before he's awake. Before he's awake, huh? I, I, I just want to make up you. whatever words I, I want to make up. I believe in only you. Only a fool believes he's dreaming before he wakes up. Don't you understand? Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. You got, finally got through those few words. I guess I do, he said, at last. It means the same thing as my mother's favorite saying. And what was that? Hope for the best and expect the worst. 
Eddie said sourly. Roland's face lightened in a smile. I think I like your mother's saying better. But it's still standing, Eddie burst out. Hmm. Feel free, feel free. I've butchered so much, feel free. Well, before that, before the I guess I do, um, Eddie was like, it was just that Roland had a way. It was unintentional, he was sure, but that, that didn't make it any easier to deal with, of making him feel like such a kid. Because I think that comes up later. Sort of. But, um... <coughs> I agree that it's not in such fantastic shape. Probably nobody's done a real thorough maintenance check on it for a thousand years or so. But it is still there. The whole city is. Is it so wrong to hope we might find some things that'll help us there? Or some people that'll feed us and talk to us like the old folks back in River Crossing? Instead of just shooting at us? Is it so wrong to hope our luck might be turning? In the silence which followed, Eddie realized with embarrassment that he had been making a speech. No. There was a kindness in Roland's voice, that kindness which always surprised Eddie when it came. It's never wrong to hope. He looked around at Eddie and the others like a man coming out of a deep dream. Dream. Wow. We're done traveling for today. It's time we had our palaver. Pa Can I talk today? See, neither of us can talk, apparently. I think, and it's going to take a while. It's time we had our own palaver. Palaver. There we go. For some reason, I wasn't. my brain wasn't registering what it said. I'm like, palaver, palaver? I know this word. It's the I, name of our show. I hope you know the word. Right, we've had much debate on the pronunciation of said <laughs> word, but pretty sure you do actually know the word. So we now have moved on to Susanna really thinking about Roland. How she's always kind of compared him to different characters in TV shows, mostly old westerns and everything, especially Gunsmoke. But now she's starting to really see him as something more. Um, it's Now she understood that Roland had once been much more than a cop riding in a dialesque dil range at the end of the world. He had been a diplomat, a mediator, perhaps even a teacher. Most of all, he had been a soldier of what these people called the White, by which she guessed they meant the civilizing forces yeah, that kept people from killing each other in enough of the time to allow some sort of progress. In his time, he had been more wandering knight-errant than bounty hunter, and in many ways this still was his time. The people of River Crossing had certainly thought so. Susanna could see how cleverly the gunslinger had managed them since that awful morning in the speaking ring. Each time they had begun a line of conversation, which would lead to the comparing of notes and what would could be more natural given the cataclysmic and inexplicable drawing each of them had experienced. Roland had been there, stepping in quickly and turning the conversation into other channels so smoothly that none of them... Even she, who had spent almost four years up to her neck in the civil rights movement, had noticed that what he was doing. She thought she understood why. He had done it in order to give Jake time to heal. But understanding his motives didn't change her own feelings. She remembered something Andrew, her chauffeur, had shortly said before Roland had drawn her into this world. Something about President Kennedy being the last gunslinger of the Western world. She had scoffed then, but now she thought she understood. There was a lot more JFK than Matt Dillon and Roland. 
She suspected that Roland possessed a little of Kennedy's imagination, but when it came to romance, dedication, charisma, and I can never guile, say, guile. Okay, she thought, "Don't forget guile." She surprised herself by suddenly bursting into laughter. <laughs> How many languages can you speak? The gunslinger thought it over. Five, he said at last. I used to pe- speak the Sicilian dialect fairly well. But I believe I've forgotten everything but the curses. Susanna laughed again. It was cheerful, delighted sound. You a fox, Roland, she said. Indeed you are. Jake looked interested. Say a swear word and shriller and... He said. Sicilian, Roland corrected. He thought a minute, then said something very fast and greasy. To Eddie, it sounded a little as if he was gargling with some very thick liquid. Weak old coffee, say. Roland grinned as he said it. Weak old coffee, huh? <laughs> I don't have any weak old coffee around here. But we got water. We can make some, make a noise with it. Want to go choke up that? Trying to try to manage uh, this. I have already been there before on this podcast. I'm not going back. It was almost death for you. It was almost the end of days. It was. What does it mean? Roland put an arm around the boy's shoulders for a moment that we have a lot of things to talk about. And that they do. And the only really interesting one is Roland's part. (laughs) We are quartet, Roland began which means a group of people bound together by fate. The philosophers of my land said a quartet could only be broken by death or treachery. My great teacher, Court, said that since death and treachery are also spokes of the wheel of Ka, such a binding can never be broken. As the years pass and I see more, I come more and more to Court's way of looking at it. Each member of a quartet is like a piece of a puzzle, Taken by itself, each piece is a mystery, but when you are put together, they make a picture, or a part of a picture. It may take a great many quartets to finish one picture. You mustn't be surprised if you discover your lives have been touched in ways you haven't seen up until now. For one thing, each of you three is capable of knowing each other's thoughts. What? Eddie cried. It's true. You share your thoughts so naturally that you haven't even been aware it's been happening. But it's been. But it has been. It's easier for me to see, no doubt, because I am not a full member of the quartet, possibly because I am not from this world, and so cannot take part completely in the thought-sharing ability. But I can send. Susanna, do you remember when I, when we were in the circle? Yes, you told me to let the demon go when you, uh, when you told me. But you didn't say it out loud. Eddie, do you remember when we were at the bear clearing and the mechanical bat came at you? Yes, you told me to get down. He never opened his mouth, Eddie, Susanna said. Yes, you did. You yelled. I heard you, man. I yelled all right, but it was with my mind. And the gunslinger turned to Jake. Do you remember in the house when the board, uh, when the board I was pulling on wouldn't come up? You told me to pull on the other one. But if you can't read minds, Roland... How did you know I was in terror? What kind of trouble I was in? I saw. I heard nothing, but I saw. Just a little, as though a dirty window, as through a dirty window. 
His eyes surveyed them. This closeness and sharing of minds is called keth, a word that means many other things in the original tongue of the old world. Water, birth, and life force are only three of them. Be aware of it for now. That's all I want. Can you be aware of something you don't believe in? Eddie asked. Roland smiled. Just keep an open mind. That I can do. Roland, it was Jake. Do you think Oi might be a part of our content? Hmm. I'm not prepared to even guess right now, but I'll tell you this, Jake. I've been thinking about your furry friend a good deal. Ka does not rule all, and coincidence still happen. But the sudden appearance of a Billy Bumbler that still remembers people doesn't seem completely coincidental to me. He glanced around at them. I'll begin. Eddie will speak next, taking up from the place where I leave off. Then Susanna. Jake, you'll speak last, all right? They nodded. Fine, Roland said. We are Katet, one from many. Let the palaver begin. I said it wrong. And now we're, there's just, there's not a whole lot. It's, it's a recap, pretty much. Yeah, it's kind of a recap of everything that's happened through this book. Small little nit piss, uh, uh, pieces. <laughs> a nit piss, huh? Why not? <laughs> um, Is there anything really important in any of this? Uh, of course, Eddie's starting to believe everything. So first... Roland tells what happened to him and Jake under the mountains. He tells him about talking to Walter. And then he says, He told of the strange, daunting dream which had come to him, a dream in which the whole universe had been swallowed in a beam of fantastic white light, and how at the end of that dream there had been a single blade of purple grass. Eddie glanced sideways at Jake and was stunned by the knowledge, the recognition in the boy's eyes. Because we all know that Jake saw his own piece of purple grass. Mm Mm-hmm. Roland mentions gunslingers. No, well, they're not really gunslingers. Roland, you ran things, and that one dude who kind of shot him. Uh, Eddie, or they bring up Shardik, which Jake automatically is like, but that's the name of a book. And of course, the whole Richard Adams and the bunnies from Watership Down come up. Uh, we move over to the Balzar's nightclub. Sure, Eddie said uneasily, the Leaning Tower, but it could have been just coincidence. You yourself said Ka doesn't rule everything. Roland nodded. You really are like Cuthbert. I remember something he said when we were boys. We were planning a midnight lark in the cemetery, but Alan wouldn't go. He said he was too afraid of offending the shades of his father and mother. Cuthbert laughed at him. He said he wouldn't believe in ghosts until he caught one in his teeth. No, Cuthbert. I think I like you. I was going to say, that sounds like you. Um, Of course, Eddie tells about his dream that he had where he was walking around pretty much in Jake's body. He talks about Shardik and the portal. And then, of course, Susanna starts talking. And she talks about um, how Eddie carved his key. And she finished with the story of how they had finally hauled Jake into the world closing the split track of his and Roland's memories as suddenly and as completely as Eddie had closed the door in the speaking ring. The only fact she left out was really not a fact at all, at least not yet. Mm. She'd had no morning sickness, after all, and a single missed period meant nothing by itself. As Roland himself might have said, that was a tale best left for another day. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. <laughs> 
I wonder. Yet as she finished, she found herself wishing she could forget what Aunt Talitha had said when Jake told her this was his home now. Gods pity you, then, for the sun is going down on this world. It's going down forever. And now it's your turn, Jake, Roland said. It's all crazy, he murmured, but it almost makes sense like a dream when you wake up. Maybe we can help you make sense of it, Susanna said. Maybe you can. At least you can help me think about the train. I'm tired of trying to make sense of Blaine by myself, he sighed. And then, of course, you know what Roland, you know what Roland did to me, pretty much. It says... I guess I better start with my final essay because that's when I finally stopped thinking about that whole thing might just go away. He looked around at them somberly. That was when I gave up. Yep, then we get a little bit Charlotte Choo Choo, and then we want Roland wants to go back to the vacant lot. <laughs> Maybe you should hypnotize me, Jake said hesitantly, like you did before at the way station. Roland shook his head. There's no need. What happened to you? In that lot was the most important thing to ever happen in your entire life, Jake. You can remember everything. And he found that he could. Hmm. Including the fence. See the turtle of enormous girth? On his shell he holds the earth. If you want to run and play, come along the beam today. His thought is slow, but always kind. He holds us all within his mind. Isn't that how it went, Roland? What, Jake asked? How what went? A poem I learned as a child, Roland said. It's another connection, one that really tells us something. Although I'm not sure it's anything we need to know. Still, one never knows when a little understanding might come in handy. And so they talk about the portals as far as they were at the bear. And in the middle is going to be the tower. So they automatically assume that probably on the other side is going to be the turtle. Yep, and we go back to the thing a little bit. He talks about the rose with all worlds and all suns inside of it. Yes. It was all suns. Now Roland saw some of this in his dream. And then he brings out Charlie the choo-choo. To which Eddie and Susanna automatically recognize it. I had this book when I was a little kid. Then we moved from Queens to Brooklyn. I wasn't even four years old and I lost it. But I remember the picture on the cover, and I felt the same way you do, Jake. I didn't like it, and I didn't trust it. Susanna raised her eyes to look at Eddie. I had it too. How could I ever forget the little girl with my name? Although, of course, it was my middle name back in those days. And I felt the same way about the train. I didn't like it, and I didn't trust it. I thought that smile was a great big fake. But she lost it as well yes. when she got hit upside of the head by Mort. Yes. And she talks about how she was afraid that when she got on the train with her dad that the train was going to go crazy pretty much. And they, they were fine, but it was a fear she had. Says, yes, of course it was. There's a picture of him hauling kids around that place at the end, isn't there? They're all smiling and laughing, except I always thought they looked like they were screaming to be let off. Yes, Jake cried. Yes, that's right. That's just right. I thought Charlie might take us to his place, wherever he lived, instead of my aunt's wedding, and never let us go home again. And then, of course, after getting hit, she came out of the coma and never saw the book again. So he reads Charlie the Choo-Choo to them. Which, if you haven't already, go check out our last episode. Yeah, if you want to know about Charlie the Choo-Choo, check out the last episode. 
Animals for the first time since the Lord. He fixed Roland's faded blue eyes firmly as Hable was. I want to stand in the field of roses. I want to see the dark or the tower and stand there. I don't know what comes next. Mourners, please omit flowers, probably. And for all of us, but I don't care. I want to stand there. I guess I don't care if Blaine's the devil and the train runs through hell itself on the way to the tower. I vote we go. So yeah, they're t- debating whether they should go in the middle of the city to where Blaine. Well, yeah, because uh, before all that, uh, Roland literally looked at Jake and said, "Do you think we should go around? Should we just skip this entire thing and go around?" And Jake pretty much said, "Well, I don't know about Cobb, but I have a feeling that we're supposed to. Like, we're supposed to just go straight through. There's no other way to it." And then, and he gives his little speech. He votes yes. Susanna doesn't have the exact same feelings as Eddie, but. Also, and she asked good old Roland, what's he think? <laughs> he <laughs> thinks. Yeah. Oh, well, well. No, I don't gonna... have a particular spot I was going to Oh, no, no, I wouldn't either. I was just going to say, and he thinks, well, that's enough talk for today. Uh, which, who mentions, was it her or someone else that mentions that if they even tried to go around, it would probably lead them back to the train anyway? It's Roland. Yeah. Um, he says, I think it's um, when he's talking about. Uh, yeah, there we go. It says, um, when he asked Jake, Jake's like, but I got this stuff about Ka, right? I don't think we're supposed to. Roland nodded. If it's Ka, questions of what we're supposed to do or not supposed to do aren't even in it. If we tried to go around, we'd find circumstances forcing us back. In such cases, it's better to give in to the inevitable promptly instead of putting it off. What do you think, Eddie? And we got all that. So what about you, Roland? What do you think? I think it's been enough talk for one day, and it's time to let... Go until tomorrow. What about Riddle Dee Dumb? Jake asked. Do you want to look at that? <laughs> There'll be time enough for that another day, Roland asked. Let's get some sleep. So everybody decides to go to bed, and Roland can't sleep. So he gets up, kind of wanders off a bit, and just kind of gazes out at the world. To which he senses something, turns around with his hand on his gun, and Eddie just appears. I wondered if you'd be able to sleep after that little performance, Eddie said. Guess the answer is no. I didn't hear you at all, Eddie. You're learning. Only this time you almost got a bullet in the gut for your pain. You didn't hear me because you got a lot on your mind, Eddie joined him. And even by starlight, Roland saw he hadn't fooled Eddie a bit. His respect for Eddie continued to grow. It was Cuthbert Eddie reminded him of. But in many ways, he had already surpassed Cuthbert. If I underestimate him, Roland thought, I'm apt to come away with a bloody paw, and if I let him down or do something that looks to him like a double cross, he'll probably try to kill me. He has tried to kill you before. (laughs) What's on your mind, Eddie? You, us, I want you to know something. I guess until tonight, I just assumed that you already knew. Uh, Now I'm not so sure. We're with you because we have to be. That's our ka. But we're also with you because we want to be. I know that's true of me and Susan, Susanna, and I'm pretty sure it's true of Jake too. You've got a good brain. Me, old Kef mate. But I think you must keep it in a bomb shelter because it's hard to get through sometimes. I want to see it, Roland. K 
Can you dig what I'm telling you? I want to see the tower. He looked closely at the Roland's face. Apparently didn't see what he had hoped to find there and raised his hands in exasperation. What I mean is I want you to let go of my ears. Let go of your ears. Yeah, because you don't have to drag me anymore. I'm coming of my own accord. We're coming of our own accord. If you die in your sleep tonight, we bury you and then go on. We probably wouldn't last long, but we die on the path of the beam. Now, do you understand? Yes, now I do. You say you understand me, and I think you do, but do you believe me as well? Of course, he thought. Where else do you have to go, Eddie, in this world that's so strange to you? And what else could you do? You'd make a piss-poor farmer. But that was mean and unfair, and he knew it. Um... Alright, we are coming to the end. So let's... Any last little touches we want to hit? And we got the last page. We're so close. Pretty much, he feels bad. Or he feels bad for letting Eddie feel this way. So he says... Um, if we're going to die in the city or on the train, I want to die knowing I was more than a marker on your game board. Roland felt anger heat in his cheeks, but he had never been much good at self-deception. He wasn't angry because Eddie was wrong, but because Eddie had seen through him. And so he says, Gunslinger, I cry your pardon. So then Eddie wants to know, how much trouble are we going to be in? Well, and then we get, how are we going to go through? Or I was like, well, if we had more people, I'd box Jake in, because he's the most valuable to everyone here. But, since we can't do that, it'll be me with Jake with Susanna, and it'll be you in the rear. Protecting things, and of course, how much trouble do you think we're going to get in? Uh, make a guess. I can't. I think you can. You don't know the city, but you know how much the people would have been behaving since things started to fall apart. How much trouble? Roland turned towards the city, sound the drum beats, and thought it over. Maybe not too much. I'd have guessed the fighting men who are still there and old, demoralized, and maybe out of blah blah blah. God. Pretty much, it says. And if they decide to make a fight of it, then, Eddie, we will all remember the faces of our father. Have I answered all your questions? Nope, but I think you played straight with me this time. Then good night, Eddie. Good night. Roland watched him go. Now that he was listening, he could hear him, but just barely. He started back himself, then turned towards the darkness. He's what the old woman called a pube, she said both sides would want him. You won't let me drop this time. No, not this time. Not ever again. But he knew something none of the others did. Perhaps after the talk he just had with Eddie, he should tell them. Yet he thought he would keep the knowledge to himself a little while longer. In the old tongue, which had once been the world's... Whatever big word that is. Whatever that is. Lingua franca. Most words, like kef and ka, had many meanings. The word char. However char... It, uh, as in Charlie the Choo Choo, had only one. Char meant death. Char you tree. Char you tree. Char you tree. Char you tree indeed. <laughs> All right. We have a couple minutes to spare here just barely. Wow. How, how this kind of works. It's like, ah, we're getting close, we're getting close, <laughs> we're getting close. So uh, we move on to the next chapter. Chapter five. Bridge and City. The bridge and City. And we know what that is. 
We still don't quite have oh. our sectioning planned out for this time yet. No, because it's I think bigger. this was the long, yeah. long, long one. Sweet baby Jesus. But we will let you know. There will probably be three chapters here. We're just going to let you know that. Because it is from... It's about 120 pages. Yes, yeah, three. So this, this is going to be a three thing. Um, probably about 40 pages apiece. <laughs> So if I jump 40 pages, where, where would the, where would I find myself? Let's see, 70, uh, that'd be what? 310, 315-ish? Hmm. see if I can give a hint of kind of where we might be. Huh? We'll either be at 18 or um, our, 19. Our, our lucky 19. Our lucky 19. We'll be right there somewhere next time, more than likely. But <laughs> we have got go because we have two minutes to close this out well. hope you enjoyed we enjoyed the drastic amount happened in this chapter a little shorter than normal uh, but as always you can reach me stars untraveled reach Amanda at KZ Pup reach the show at beyond your focus practically anywhere including YouTube and podcast services around the globe maybe maybe sweet um please throw a like on if you enjoyed it uh, subscribe to the channel because we'd always appreciate that a whole bunch. Um, comment down below how you're enjoying the chapters, where you are, what you're thinking. Anything else before we bounce? Nope. Awesome. Possum. Blossom. Till next time. Long days and pleasant night.